Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. My name is Candace Sampson, and I am the new host of this amazing show. And I'm going to do my very best to fill the big shoes uh, of Kate Wheeler and Christine Bentley. Uh, I've actually been part of this show for about three years as the resident travel expert, but you probably don't know much more about me than that. And I was going to spend a little time uh, talking about me today, but last night as I was sitting down thinking about today's show, it occurred to me that what she said is not about me at all. It's about you. It's about bringing stories and ideas to you that will educate and entertain and I hope make you think so without getting uh, too sappy here, uh, I want you all to know that I don't take this platform for granted and that I uh, feel very privileged to be here talking with you. So I want to hear about what you want to hear about. So if you pop over onto the What She Said Talk Facebook page right now, you'll see a status pinned to the top of the page looking for your input. Uh, please take a second to leave me a comment on that. I'm also looking forward to keeping the conversation going with you on Instagram and Twitter. So be sure to follow there at What She Said Talk. And with that, we've got some really exciting guests on this week's show. We have award-winning writer and human rights advocate Amanda Jete Knox uh, and her lovely wife Zoe uh, sharing their inspirational story of accepting and embracing two trans people in a family. Amanda has just written a book called Love Lives Here, which gives insight into the challenges faced by trans people. And it's a beautiful story about transition, frustration, support, acceptance, and of course, love. And if you think planning birthdays and weddings with blended families are awkward, imagine planning one of life's most stressful events, the funeral. Brandy Wykley from The New Family will be here to discuss how, with a little pre-planning, blended families can remove a great deal of the stress that comes with planning an already stressful event. And finally, film critic Anne Brody will tell us what to watch and avoid at the movies and on TV this weekend. Certified brain health coach Susan Kenny is going to tell us how we can get our sexy on using a brain-first approach. And if you didn't know, January is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Dr. Howard Churchko and Dr. Jennifer Bethel will be in to talk about dementia prevention and answer questions like, is Alzheimer's disease the same as dementia? Don't forget to follow us on social media, and you can find all the links and watch today's interviews on whatshesaidtalk.com. Thanks for tuning in. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get a... a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm still breathing. I'm still breathing. I'm still breathing. I'm still breathing. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. 
Amanda Jete Knox is an award-winning writer, human rights advocate, and public speaker. She is the recipient of the 2014 Joan Gullen Journalism Award for Media Excellence in Small Print. Her work and her family's journey so far has been featured on CBC, The Globe and Mail, Chatelaine, Upworthy, BuzzFeed, Us Weekly, Up Rocks, Ottawa Family Living, The Today Show, and various other national and international publications, podcasts, and media outlets. She also continues to write for her blog, The Maven of Mayhem, which is where you first came to my attention in what feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, So for those of us who are joining us at home, Amanda and her wife Zoe are joining us in studio today, and I am thrilled to have you here as my first guests on What She Said. Hi! (laughs) I'm thrilled to be here. This is so odd to me to have you sitting here. It, It is. Yeah, because just think back... I, I think maybe I met you about eight years ago. I think it was that long ago. Yeah. Right. So I've sort of been following along in this journey. So for those of at home who don't know, um, I'm going to let you and Zoe sort of catch everybody up to speed where we're at. So let's start with your daughter. Okay. So in uh, 2014, early 2014, someone had said, hey, Amanda, what does your family look like? I would have said, oh, well, we're a mom and a dad and three boys because that is what we put out there to the world. That's what I thought was the makeup of our family. Um, Early in 2014, we got an email from our middle child who was 11 at the time. And it said, please try to understand, please don't be mad, and went on to essentially tell us that she is transgender. So um, she was trying to tell us that when she was born, the doctors looked at her, we all looked at her, and it was declared that she was a boy, but she wasn't a boy. And this whole time she had been struggling with that and just didn't have the words for it. So that was the first sort of experience in our family of a change like that, a transition um, and and uh, sort of upsetting the norm that I had this idea that we had, right? Right. So the foundation beneath you was rocked a little bit. Uh, But you guys rose to the occasion amazing, because I remember you at the time um, sharing this story, and it it was just beautiful how you both reacted. And and I think that should be held up for all parents. Well, I think that unconditional love should be unconditional. Right. So um, I remember that night so well. We we sort of looked at each other and, and thought, you know, what are we going to do? And the answer was so simple. And that was just go into her room and tell her that we love her and that we'll figure the rest out later. Right. Perfect. Perfect. So, Zoe, for you, what did that moment do for you? It terrified me mostly because I'd known for a long time that I was in the same situation. But I, unlike Alexis, had never had the courage to tell anybody when I was her age. Right. And didn't really have the words to do that until I was much older. Um, because, you know, at that time, there, there was no Google or anything. To right. Really just look that up, right? So you couldn't just go online and say, why do I feel like a girl? You know, and um, right. and find the answers. But for me, that was also a bit of an awakening. And, you know, over the next year and a half, as I, I watched her start to come into being her true self, it was too much for me to keep going. And right. So, so I also at, came So what, that was in 2015. 2015. It was about so, 18 months later. So again, 
world shook, right? Right. World shook, I think, in, a, in an even bigger way. A much bigger way. Because, you know, that's our relationship. And right. we had been together for 22 years or so. We had been married for 18 at that point. We had kids together. We had a life together. And, um, and so finding out that the person I married had been keeping something that big was was hard at first. And, and it wasn't like, I, you know, it wasn't really like a feeling of betrayal so much as a shock. Like I was, right. and, and fear. There was so much fear so for much both fear. of us. Yeah, like there was a lot of fear in, in my coming out that wasn't there for Alexis because I had this whole life built up that was going to right. explode, right? Right. Um, you don't realize how many places your name appears until you transition. Yeah. And, you know, the, just thinking of all those documents, all those places where your identity is. You know, I never really thought of daunting. that. It's funny. You know, I've never like I'm so I'm I'm, I'm currently going through a separation and a divorce and, you know, 18 months into this journey. And I'm still finding my old married name in places that shock me. So it's true. I, I, I totally see what you're saying now. That's that, exactly it. Right? Yeah. You're just going, oh, great. <laughs> Another place I need to change this, yeah. And then there's the whole discrimination factor, right? right? I mean, while technically you can't get fired for being trans or LGBTQ or, you know, anything of the sort, um, you know, there can be workplace upsets. There can be, you know, people who aren't as kind to you anymore. The, the, the environment can get less comfortable. She's the major breadwinner in our family. And what does that look like, right? Yeah. I mean, there were just so many things. And I had been living with somebody who had been chronically unhappy for years and years mm. and years. And, you know, was coming out going to change that? Or was it just going to be harder for her and for us? Right. Exactly. I mean, I was terrified that I would lose my job, that we we would lose right. the house, that our kids would not have anywhere to live or anything to eat. Yeah. Um, you know, that I would never be able to find another job, for example. Right. right. Um, and now I do recall, though, that your your work uh, rose to the occasion. They certainly did. Yeah. yeah. So my team in particular and a couple of people on that team, um, and I won't embarrass them by giving names, but uh, <laughs> they organized a really beautiful coming back to work thing for me after I first came out. And so I, I sent a big email to everyone and said, you know, hey, this is the scoop and I'm going to take some time off. And when I come back, you know, I, I will be Zoe. Right. right? And, um, and they really rose to the occasion. And when I got back, my whole, you know, desk and cubicle and everything was decorated with like rainbow butterfly streamers. And, and, I, I uh, mean, that story was, was oh, so heartwarming and made me so proud of my community. That was just I, wonderful. Was fantastic. So, um, Amanda, you've become sort of a, a, well, not sort of, you have become a huge advocate for trans people the world over. And I know from following you on every social account that this is absolutely tireless work. So let's start with the end, because I like to do this a lot when I'm problem solving. Tell me what the world looks like when you finally turn to Zoe and say, um, yeah, I need to get a new job. Like, my work here is done. <laughs> Everything's dried up. <laughs> yeah, There's like, no business yeah, anymore. Exactly. So <laughs> Nothing to tweet about. What um, does the world look like for you? It looks... Like nobody cares anymore, right? right? I mean, the 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 reason why we are, um, the reason why I'm so busy and our family is so busy is because people want to know about this. Um, you know, they this is new information to them. They don't really understand what transition looks like. They don't really understand the concept of trans people. Um, they don't really understand how our family could have survived and thrived in right. this situation. So to me, it basically means that I have now made myself completely irrelevant. And and I need to go and, you know, make coffee or something, open a little coffee shop somewhere, right. serve some butter tarts, right? 
<laughs> I'm in on the butter tarts. Totally there. Uh, so, okay, so that that's the end result. Then what are the steps we need to start taking to get us there? Normalization is a big part of it, I think. Right. And, and that's kind of the quiet activism that I do more than what she does. So Amanda does the really in-your-face right. educational activism type stuff, which is really super important. Yeah. Uh, and what I do is more just kind of the living my life and being very visible doing it activism. And Yeah, it's funny you were talking about that because I remember one time Amanda said, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to normalize trans people, you know, go follow a bunch of them, uh, you know, exactly on Twitter. And, and I did that. And so now, you know, I, I think I just immediately just went through and, and just clicked on like, you know, 100 names. To, to put them in my feed. And and what I found is that, like, they're all just sharing pictures of their lunch, too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Like, my feed is all what I made for dinner. Here's some cat pictures. Yeah. Uh, I saw this very cool pineapple growing out there. Exactly, in the lobby, you know. Right? So. And it has completely normalized that in my feed, right? Uh, so I think that is a, that's a really good point is on social media is to include that sort of in what you're consuming. Um, right. Through through books and, and social media and on TV and film. Um so I look at my life sometimes and I think that I'm overwhelmed and then I and then I go to your timeline and uh, <laughs> and I think no no I I'm good I'm good I didn't receive a single death threat today <laughs> right? right right that's and a I'm, bonus and I am not la- like I'm serious I don't know how you manage all the hate thrown your way so how how do you manage this um, honestly, it's going to sound really cheesy, but love. I, mm-hmm. I have an amazing partner. Right. I have wonderful kids. I have great friends. Yeah. Um, I have a doctor who understands that I have an anxiety disorder and treats me, uh, you know, well. And I, you know, I go to the gym, a lot of self-care and just breaks because it is really hard. Um, it, I, I get enough threats that I actually have to assess them myself and decide whether or not it's going, you know, it's worth going to file a police report, which I've done a few right. times, but, but, you know, I don't want to overuse that either. And right. it's, you know, it's, it's such a tough thing, right? People get really reactive online. And I think when the threats stop coming in and the name calling and the insults and filling my inbox day in and day out with this awful stuff, you know, and, and my family, you know, it's not just, it's not just me and whatever I get, I mean, trans people, who are really visible are getting it 10 times worse, right? right? So I think... it's just a matter of having your community and um, and and knowing that um, loud voices get noticed, but also create change. So I try to use that as a as a way to keep pushing forward. Right, and that's absolutely true. You know, that is how you create change is just slowly and just one step at a time, and through the quiet activism and the very in your face activism. So it's it's, it's a beautiful partnership. Um, so where can people go to get your book? Well, you can get my book just about anywhere. Um, It was featured very prominently by Chapters Indigo this year. Thank you, Chapters Indigo. They they really they really loved it. And And you um, just landed on the CBC Canada Reads a long list Canada Reads, yeah, which is amazing for 2020. Thank you. Yeah, that was a bit of a shock. Um, And uh, yeah, so you can you can get it at uh, just about any bookstore, your local indie bookstore, your bigger bookstore, just about, and you can order it online. Okay. And so you, people can also find your writing online at the Maven of Mayhem. You're still writing there? Yep. I am still writing there when I am not doing other things. Right. So, um, yeah, you can find me on there at amandajetaynox.com or themavenofmayhem.com. Um, on Twitter at, at Maven of Mayhem. Facebook is the same. And you just have to put some underscores between Maven of Mayhem on Instagram to find me there. And so uh, finally, I, you know, I know that just from following you that a lot of people um, have read your book. 
and have heard you speak who who are trans and have not come out yet and are, are you know so if there's someone listening right now um, who's afraid to come out where where should they turn who should be the sort of the first place they they turn to um I would think probably find some trans people online and talk to them. Find somebody you trust and talk to them. I think Zoe is probably a good person to help me on this one. Well, I certainly get a number of those people myself, you right. know, sliding into my DMs and right. things like that. Um, and I usually, uh, if I have time, I certainly will answer those. I think there's also a lot of great resources out there. There's right. a lot of online groups. Um, okay. There are, in pretty much every major community, there are some resources, like here in Toronto, there's the 519, for example, that has okay, a transition excellent. support program. Um, so I think, you know, those resources are there and they can be found. But connect with the community. Okay. That's the best. Amazing. Okay. Thank you for joining us on what she said. Thanks for having us. tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code What She Said. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Prove I'm right Joining me in studio now is Christine Bentley, who is back to crash my first show already. Well, you know, <laughs> I reserve the right to crash every once this in a while when true. I feel strongly about something. And uh, this particular segment is one I think. Both you and I feel Absolutely. strongly. Now, January is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. And joining us now is Dr. Howard Churko. He's a neurologist and the scientific director of Canada's largest dementia research network, the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. Wow, that's a mouthful. I know. Say that five times I know. <laughs> also with us is Dr. Jennifer Bethel. She's an epidemiologist with the Kite Research Institute banner at University Health Network's Toronto Rehab Institute. Welcome to what she said, and I apologize for any mispronunciations. <laughs> of I'm word. so glad you had to read that intro and not me. <laughs> so you're both here today to talk about dementia prevention. First off, is Alzheimer's the same as dementia? So uh, thank you for asking, and thanks for having us. We're delighted to be here. Dementia, the way I, I talk about it, dementia is like a, a set of diseases Alzheimer's is the leading cause of dementia. For example, if you said, I'm going out to play ball, it could be soccer or it could be baseball. If you said, I'm going out to play basketball, that's a specific cause. So Alzheimer's is a specific disease that causes loss of memory with aging. Dementia is the general term for all the set of diseases that cause problems with memory and aging. And that can be from strokes, Alzheimer's disease. Uh, it can be from overuse of medications. It can be from alcohol uh, so there are many causes of dementia. Alcohol? Else. Oh, no. It can cause <laughs> caused by alcohol? Candace. Uh, alcohol is big a, trouble here. It's a toxin to the brain. So Absolutely. we know that in prevention, there was a study saying that, that half a glass of wine every day might 
be preventative, but people who drink four or five or six glasses of wine a day, that's damaging your brain. Now, I find those studies funny because people tend to latch on to those. Woohoo, I get half a glass a day and then they have, you know, four or five. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, thinking maybe they're, they're doubling up on the benefits when they're, in fact, they're not. Um, so is there a way you can tell if you will get dementia? Uh, how's it diagnosed? Yes and no. We know that there are things that increase your risk. For example, having a, a family history, people in your family had dementia. That doubles your risk. But still, if you look overall, maybe one out of five people over age 65 have dementia. So doubling of the risk doesn't mean you're going to get it. We know there are other risk factors which which can be prevented, such as people who have high blood pressure untreated, diabetes untreated, smoking, cholesterol. All the things that are bad for your heart are also bad for your brain. And we know about prevention factors, which we'll talk about in a minute. So we can tell people in their 40s and 50s, you're at higher risk. Right. And we can do biomarkers experimentally that, that show presence of bad proteins. But most of the time, we cannot take someone who's healthy with a good memory and say, you are going to be fine when you're 90 you're, right. or you're going to have dementia. We just don't have the ability to do that at, at this present time. Can it be cured, Alzheimer's, dementia? Yes, it can, but not today. We are going to find the answer to Alzheimer's or the, the Alzheimer diseases because it might be more than one disease and we're just lumping them together. So we're going to get there to a, a cure, which might be a combination of therapies. The question is really whether we're going to get there within the next 10 years or in the next 50 years. And that largely is a matter of funding. We've got tremendous research capability in Canada, world-class researchers, fantastic ideas. We've got the people, we've got the, the all working together within the CCNA. What is lacking is funding. And Canadian funding for dementia research is at about per capita one-tenth of what the funding is down in the United States, one-quarter of what they're paying in Australia. So if we want to get the answers, people have to speak to their members of parliament and people who represent them and say, this is important to me. I don't want to, I want to find a cure in the next 10 or 20 years. So this has to become a, a political and a public issue. Last year, the National Dementia Strategy was approved in Parliament. It was actually presented here in Toronto, which said we should be funding dementia research at 1% of its cost, and yet we're funding less than half of that. So if people show the, the pressure, put pressure on the government that this is a priority, we will have a cure. Well, I was going to say, Jennifer, you were mentioning earlier that the population, uh, because the population is aging, mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it's, it's much more prevalent now, which would mean you know, t really, this this generation right now who's grappling with it should be driving maybe the funding behind it, um, raising awareness as as we all should. But I would think that that demographic, in particular. So the estimate of the number of Canadians right now living with dementia it's about five hundred thousand, and the prevalence is increasing because the the population's aging. We have more people over the age sixty over the age of sixty five than we've ever had before. So the mm. incidence itself, the number of people developing dementia. Uh, is not necessarily increasing, but we have more Canadians living with dementia just right. by virtue of, of the, the fact that there's more Canadians over the age of 65. Right. And interesting, but dementia affects uh, way more women than men. Why is that? Do we know? Yes and no. We know that <laughs> estrogen and sex hormones play an important role in the brain. 
and they protect women when their estrogen levels are, are high. But after menopause, when they go down, we think that this may be a, a risk factor. Interesting. The brain of women changes as you go through menopause. At the same time, we do not have yet the evidence that giving people estrogen supplements will prevent dementia, just the opposite. One of the things within CCNA is we've made sex and gender uh, front and center. We're looking at the sex and gender aspects of all of the dementias because dementia is a woman's problem. Seven out of 10 people with dementia are women. And it, it is a growing priority. That is, mm-hmm. Wow, seven out of 10, that's it's mm-hmm. staggering. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. Yeah, wow. And if you look at the caregivers who's looking after people with dementia, nine out of ten times it's the daughter, it's not the son of, of someone. So women are playing the, the major role as caregivers. Right. They're the ones getting the stress, leaving their jobs. The sandwich generation, you're looking mm-hmm. after kids and you're looking after your parents. So this is a, a priority of women. I'm based at Baycrest Health Sciences, and we see people coming in to see their parents with dementia at various stages of severity in the hospitals, and they say, what can you do to help prevent me developing this as I get older? So it is a, a priority of people, and they're worried about it, we haven't translated that into political pressure, though. Just another thing, a great thing about CCNA is that they're also looking at sex and gender effects. So we have to think about, in terms of prevention, things like loneliness, social engagement, head injury, whatever it is, it's going to affect men and women differently. And that's something that's really being built into research on dementia. So what advances do you see coming in the next few years that may help improve treatment and care for dementia? There's no question we're going to start having better diagnosis and and biomarkers to give us uh, 5, 10, 15 years earlier evidence someone was on their way to getting Alzheimer's disease. We're going to know about subtypes and subgroups so we can have personalized therapy. I anticipate some of the, the molecules being developed against certain proteins in the brain, amyloid and tau and different the, Proteins are deposited in the brain that contribute to the dementia. Those we're going to have treatments for, and some sort of combination therapies will come. And in addition to that, we'll make some real advances in developing the strategies for prevention, the combination of things that each person can do to help not prevent completely, but highly reduce their risk of getting dementia. What can we do to prevent it? Because I found out a few years ago, and it was a surprise to me, that if you start keeping dementia and Alzheimer's in mind in your 20s, you can do things that over your lifetime will significantly reduce your risk. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll start with a few and then Jen, you yeah, absolutely. pick up. So I mentioned controlling other illnesses, very important, and looking after your, your blood system, your heart, smoking. You know, it's a, a, one would hope that smoking would have disappeared by now, but, but certainly it's, it's better to have no right. smoking, no overuse of drugs. I mean, cocaine damages the brain. Marijuana, we're still not sure of long-term effects if you use a lot. Mm-hmm. Sleep is important when mm-hmm. we're now realizing that when you're sleeping, you are clearing the toxins from your brain. So if you sleep less than six hours a night, it, it's not good for your brain. You should be sleeping seven or eight hours. Right. Uh, you should be exercising. Uh, it's recommended 150 minutes a week of moderate exercise. And we know that we, when we take old people and have them start exercising, it's like rolling the clock back at least five years. And there's no question that 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 is protective of the brain. So those are a few things to start with, Jen. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I would reiterate on exercise. I'll never forget the first dementia conference I went to and hearing from thousands of experts who, you know, dedicated their careers to dementia. And I got home and I started riding my bike to work the next day. It's really, (laughs) (laughs) it's a a powerful one thing I learned. Um, Yeah, so absolutely. Exercising, I think staying socially engaged is really important. So we talk about the importance of having social networks. um, So people in our lives that we can talk to. And you're not talking Facebook and Instagram, right? Like in real life. Real life. life. (laughs) Friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Social engagement, exactly. Going to have lunch with your friends, going to see movies, playing bridge, whatever it is that that mm-hmm. makes you socially engaged. Um, you know, having social support, having people around us that we can go to when we need help uh, emotionally or with the day to day grind of life is really important. And I think having you know, staying mentally active. It's interesting. I just visited my parents in Nova Scotia and they were talking about their bridge club. And my dad said, you know, maybe it's not a way of preventing uh, dementia. And I said, well, actually, you know, this is this is cognitive activity, counting your trump cards. And mm-hmm. this is social yeah. engagement. You're out with your friends. So really, it's important to stay socially and mentally engaged. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. we kind of buried the lead here because you have an exciting <laughs> event coming up, which I think our listeners um, are going to want to hear about uh, on January 25th. Third, that is Correct. free to the public. Tell us about the event and how our listeners can get involved. Amazing. I would love to because the event is called Supporting Brain Health in Later Life, What the Research Tells Us. And as you say, it's free. It's open to the public. And what the event is really meant to do is give, give people an idea of what they can do to support brain health in later life, reduce their risk of cognitive decline, reduce their risk of dementia. So we're going to give an overview of 14 or 15 things, and then take a deeper dive on some things that we might not necessarily think of. So talk specifically about the heart and brain connection, talk about the importance of social engagement, and look at the connection between hearing and cognition. So as you say, the event's Thursday, January 23rd. It's going to be held at the Toronto Reference Library, which is on Young Street, just north of Bloor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the venue is wheelchair accessible, and we have a fantastic host for the evening. Ah. The wonderful person sitting <laughs> across from only. me. The one and only world-renowned Christine oh. Bentley, um, a name many Canadians, of course, will recognize. And we have some Wonderful speakers lined up. Of course, Dr. Turco sitting next to me, and he's going to give an overview of some strategies we can all use to uh, to sort of enhance our brain health in later life. And then we have Jennifer Campos, who's a scientist at Toronto Rehab, and Marilyn Reed, who's an audiologist at Baycrest, and they're going to talk about that connection between hearing and cognition. Amazing. So the event starts at 6. Where can people go to get more information? Yeah, it's important. So the website is ccna-ccnv.ca. And so there's an Eventbrite registration. You do have to register to attend, but there's also going to be a um, live stream and a recording of the event. So if you can't attend... questions and answers. Questions and answers. It's meant to be fun and interactive. Partners, students, lots of CCNA trainees, PhD students will be there to answer questions. It's going to be a fun an interactive evening. Well, and you. it will be cognitively stimulating. Right. Oh, just, <laughs> which is good for you. Just yeah. by coming you. to the event, you're helping to protect your yeah. brain. Wonderful. Thank you so much Thank both you for, for joining, joining us. us. Yeah. It was Thank great. you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. No, I've still got a lot of value left in me. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. 
Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. I live for the applause, applause, applause. I live for the applause, applause. Joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is What She Said, Anne Brody. And Anne, it feels like every time I see you now, I'm outraged. I'm outraged, too. (laughs) Last time it was the Golden Globes, and now the Oscars, for heaven's sakes. What are these people thinking? They shut the women out again. Why no Greta Gerwig? I don't know. Why no Marielle Henner? Crazy. Unbelievable. I'm just so outraged. I thought, okay, I understand the foreign press, the Golden Globes, because it's a whole strange thing that you might want to look up (laughs) Um, but the Oscars that just it was proof positive that they just don't care we're gonna have very little diversity yes and also Cynthia Erivo was the only woman of color in best actress for Harriet Tubman it's just such a pity it's just such a pity I'd like to be more celebratory about about the nominations but uh, it's shadowed by this terrible disrespect for women. Well, let's go let's go into some good stuff because yep. you're, the next person we're talking about, Alfre Woodard, who I love. Oh, so my tell God, me about she's Clemency. So good. All right, it's not the greatest film in the world, but she does a wonderful performance. She plays Warden Williams, who's been running a prison facility for decades, and her one of the jobs that she has to do is oversee and be present at executions, teach other people how to do it. So her, so She's sublimated the horror of it somehow. Right. She's, ab- she's able to put it away, and then suddenly it just all starts to come out in little bits because, again, another person of color, a man, is being executed for a crime he didn't commit, hmm. and there's no way she can stop it. So it just leads to terrible breakdown of her family life, of her professional life, and yet she won't give an inch. She won't show anything. Right. It's really a marvelous performance. Yeah. Um, and it just shines a light on the fact that there are so many more people of color on death row in the States than anyone else right. by far. Mm-hmm. So it's worth seeing. Okay. And what, what else do we have coming up? What she said, mm-hmm. the art of Pauline Kale. Did they talk to us about that before they no. did this? No. And I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, a cute title. And now I'm thinking of suing. <laughs> That's, we're going at, Where's my pitchfork? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Pauline Kale um, wrote film reviews for about 30 years. And she was either loved or hated. She said exactly what she thought. Right. But thanks to her honesty, the 60s indies wave, the independent wave, the films like Bonnie and Clyde, right. and uh, uh, they're all listed on, on the blog, um, were, gave a new field of endeavor to creative filmmakers who couldn't work within the studio system because of the limitations or the the sameness of the film. So they broke out. Easy Rider's another example. Okay. So uh, she helped promote that movement. And thanks to her, it just changed films for all time. Right. So that is thanks indeed to Pauline Kael. She hated The Sound of Music, which I hate. (laughs) What? (laughs) Because it's just pop. Blasphemy. No, it's not. is such a good... (laughs) Do you know what what Christopher Plummer calls it, who starred in it? I don't know. Do I want to The sound know? of mucus. Oh, no. See, I'm never going to be... I can't unhear that now, Anne. No, I'm going to... Well, every time I watch it, that's what I'm going to think. 
<laughs> well, just get your pitchfork out. <laughs> exactly. Naughty okay. Christopher. So Apple TV, um, Little oh, America. I'm so excited about this series. It's an anthology series on the theme of immigration to the States. Okay. Deepa Maida. Timely. Yes, very timely. And mm-hmm. Deepa Maida, who's ours, she's from Toronto. Yay. She directs, uh, I think it's a second episode called The Manager. It's about a Pakistani family living in um, Iowa, I think it is, somewhere like that. Okay. They run a motel. The parents have to go back to Pakistan to get their papers in order. And this kid is so precocious. He wins all the spelling bees and stuff that they put him in charge of the hotel. And he's like this big. But he does a great job. And time goes on. Time goes on. They're still out there. He wins all the championships. He gets to the White House. He asks Laura Bush for help to get his parents back. She can't do anything. In fact, she backs away from him. All based on true stories, these. So anyway... They don't come back for years and his his chance for a better life and right. to use everything that he has learned and his brilliance just vanishes. Oh, and it's, it's I think it's like a half hour or something. Right. Anyway, and then there's another one about these people going to a to a hippie commune to do yoga in the 70s. Okay. And you have to be silent the whole time. That, of course, brings up a lot of problems. And a guy and a girl kind of fall in love. And at the end... <laughs> They can speak. She's French. He can't understand a word. <laughs> Again, based in fact, that couple married. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, There's just so great. many terrific, terrific stories in Little America. Okay. So and, that's well worth it. And then we have Aquafina, who I think is, I love her. She is so great. She didn't get nominated either for The Farewell for Best Actress. Okay. Although she was nominated and won in other critics' things. This is so much fun. It's coming to much okay. next week. Um, it's on Comedy Central now in the States. Uh, so Aquafina grew up in a tiny, tiny apartment in Brooklyn right. with her grandmother and her father. Okay. And her grandmother's one of the most hilarious women on TV ever. They go down to Atlantic City to gamble, and there's a bunch of Koreans over there. And her grandmother doesn't like Koreans. She says, I'm going to K-pop your face. <laughs> and the lines from Aquafina, I can't repeat half of them. Right. <laughs> but the woman has such an incredible grip on comedy and populism, you know, popular concepts and philosophies and attitudes. Right. She's the bomb. I just love her. She's so smart. Yeah. Isn't she smart? smart. I love her. Yeah. And she's so young. I know. How old is she? I think she's in her 20s still. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So great things coming from her even down the road. So that would be great. Yes, indeed. Send me to the clouds, a Chinese feminist dramedy. Yeah. Made by... A conservative feminist? I didn't know you could have conservative feminists in well, China. I am learning that it's not just feminists. There's literally many types of feminists. So, yes, this does not yeah. surprise me, a conservative feminist. Well, this is a really cool story. It's about a young girl with a lot of spirit and spunk um, who discovers she has an ovarian uh, tumor. So she's looking to make the most of her last days. Uh, doesn't sound terribly appealing, but the way this film is made... This woman's performance, it's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. It blows my mind. I wouldn't be surprised to see it up for awards next year. Yeah. So send me to the clouds. I think we have to keep starting track of all the ones that you say up for awards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of which, I thought Ford versus Ferrari would do better. Oh, and it did? No. It it got a Best Picture nod. That's it. Okay. So anyway. So I'm going to tell you, I am totally out on this before you even tell me about it. 
the Goop Lab. Do we want to talk about it? Can we yes. just gloss over it quickly? Well, we, will gl- <laughs> we, will, we will goop over it quickly. Yes. Well, Gwyneth Paltrow has created a series, half-hour episodes, based on her explorations of things that make women's lives better and easier. Yeah. She does things like, uh, um, what do you call them, psychics? Yeah. Uh, food. Um, She's got a really cool candle out, I hear, too. I don't oh, know if please. I can even say. Oh, please. Let's, let's just <laughs> can I say that throw that in the garbage can. can. But, yeah. but so, this one, yeah. the, one I, the one I went to immediately was the one about uh, female sexual pleasure. Okay. And, I mean, she... And it's goop? It's goop. All right. Good. Let's go on to <laughs> the world goop. according to Jeff Goldblum. Now, Jeff Goldblum, I like. Oh, he's so appealing in this thing. Yeah. He has such a personality. And he's, he's such a nice, warm man. I've interviewed him a number of times, and he'll just walk right up to you and just hold you so tight right. and ask how you're doing and everything. And he just has this wonderful spirit, and it's captured. He is the only person, I think, who could ever do this series. Okay. Uh, he looks at everyday, ordinary things like jeans, pools, tattoos, um, sneakers, stuff like that, and you're going, right. whatever. Right. And you watch, and you're like, Wow. Right. He brings it to life. And, and he's the type of person, he has that personality, he could bring anything to life. He could. Indeed. Do you like remember that, him yeah. from uh, Law & Order Criminal Intent? It was no. a very dramatic role. He did it for several seasons. He was brilliant. And I'm glad to see him being funny again. Awesome. He's good at both, but there okay. you go. So quickly, let's just get to, let's. what else do we got I here? I want to talk about Mary Berry. All right, tell me. She did the Great British Baking Show for years. I love her. She's everybody's grandmother. She has a brand new series, okay. and it's on BritBox called Mary Berry's Absolute Favorites. Okay. So it's summertime. She goes to different locations, her backyard garden, a rooftop aviary and herbary, um, uh, local farmer's markets, and the countryside. And she forages in the countryside. Okay. She has, she has bees going to herbs over top of this restaurant. It's so... Uh, enchanting the way she speaks in her manner and to my mind she's just head over shoulders above any of the american celebrity chefs i i have to say i am i'm partial to to the british television so there I, you go you're gonna have to see this awesome so we have to leave it there for near, there for now but uh people can find more movie and tv reviews up on what she said.com right now and Anne, we will see you next week we will thank you Heading into the (coughs) big smoke. Wow. Ah, Breathe easy with fresh news and info from your hometown radio station, 105.9 The Region. If you think planning birthdays and weddings with blended families is awkward, imagine planning one of life's most stressful events, the funeral. We're joined in studio today with Brandy Wakely from The New Family to discuss how, with a little pre-planning, blended families can remove a great deal of the stress that comes with planning an already stressful event. Welcome, Brandy. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to have you here. So what are some of the statistics you can share around Canadians and funeral planning? Well, according to a poll by Arbor Memorial, 
36% of Canadians have not talked about final wishes. I guess it's not a terrible surprise that we don't love talking about this stuff. It's uncomfortable, yes. Right. So nearly four in 10 of us only know if a partner uh, wants to be buried or cremated. So that's really the, just the very basic. Right. Nothing about the kind of, you know, memorial. Celebration of life you want to have, exactly. that kind of thing. The right. tone, where you might want to have it, uh, small, large, that kind right. of thing. And just half of us have had a conversation with parents about final wishes. Right. You know, I worked with Arbor Memorial um, a few years ago talking about this uh, when I was married. And it was about, you know, those conversations around, um, you know, what you wanted. The biggest takeaway I took from that was, you know, really, you are making these decisions to relieve your family of, of some of these really uncomfortable decisions that have to be made when you're gone. And, uh, and you know, funnily enough, as now I'm heading towards divorce, it's, uh, it's occurring to me that I really do need to reconsider my plans. Uh, you know, I no longer want to spend eternity buried beside my ex-husband. So maybe it's time to revisit how I'm going to have my, my, my um, end-of-life celebration go. So um, you have some personal experience with sort of this uh, you know, unfortunately. And so um, in addition to some anecdotes you've gathered from the new family community uh, surrounding funerals and blended families. So what are some of the big teachable moments you can share with us? Well, unfortunately, my own father died from a short battle with fourth stage cancer. And he and my stepmom had not made any arrangements. You know, it was just kind of a verboten topic. Of course, they were having a hard time facing this and adapting to this new reality. None of us knew the timeline, really, that we were looking at, and we're definitely hoping for way more. And it it ended up being that he died much sooner than we expected, and it was a very difficult time for my step-siblings and I to get it all sorted out from scratch because we really knew nothing. Again, though, we did know that he preferred to be cremated. That was just one of the things we always knew. Right. But in keeping with these findings from Arbor Memorial, that's that's really all we knew, and nothing else. So it must be really stressful at at a time like that to 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 really come up with a cohesive um, of plan, especially when you're dealing with blended families, right? Like, did did you find that your stepmother had different ideas than you had, perhaps? And just yes, and you know, even just in the timeline, because they hadn't addressed any of it, my step-siblings and I were, you know, there in Calgary from other locations in the country. It took much longer to settle on a date and venue because none of this had been discussed. So that really added to the stress that we were going through while we were doing difficult things like finding the right words for the obituary in in the newspaper and figuring out who's going to give a a eulogy, all those kinds of things. So it was a very tense time. And it definitely showed me that, you know, the cost of not enduring the difficult conversation is very high. Right. So my own experience is, of course, not the only one I've heard of. I've also heard from, you know, in a very worst case scenario, a situation where divorced parents had such a bad relationship when they tragically lost their their young but adult son that they wouldn't be in the same room together. So oh, wow. you really don't want to be in that no. kind of scenario. I mean, of course, it's hard to plan for someone sure. in their 20s passing away. So it's tough when you're going from really ground zero with these conversations uh, when something bad has happened. And all those emotions that we have, you know, are just sort of exaggerated through a situation like this, right? So it is a very... um hard time to go through. So we can agree that pre-planning is the best path, uh, not just for blended families, but for all families. Um, So where's the best place to start? Well, you know, ideally it starts with the conversation before things get down to a critical situation and we're all making these decisions under duress. Um, 
and, but we, of course, know none of us are excited to have the conversation, so we need a lead-in. And maybe while you're you're together on a weekend or a holiday dinner, no, it's not going to be the first thing that you right. bring up at the holiday yeah. dinner table <laughs> or family day weekend. But maybe you use an event that's happened to somebody, uh, another family in that you know. Oh, gosh, right. you know. Did you see so-and-so passed? Or, right. gosh, how tragic about the plane crash in Iran. Can yeah. you imagine? God forbid anything should happen to one of us. Maybe we should just know what each other might like right. and prefer in terms of Or I heard this memorial. great show on what she said, talk. Exactly. <laughs> Let me think about it. Yeah. It's not that you guys are getting old or anything. It's that <laughs> we should all talk about it. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and so it's making it you know, um, not a tense conversation as well and talking about your wishes, you know, like, what do you want? You know, I've always said that I want people to walk away from my funeral saying, you know, what a great funeral, you know? Absolutely. And what, and ideally what a great life lived. That's right. So people can come away with that sense. That's a a wonderful thing to leave people with. So if you've given your family some direction on that, huge help. Right. So where can people go to learn more about how to start planning, um, how to start this important conversation, even just sort of the right words? Right. So you can go to arbormemorial.ca and click on Start Planning, and you get some resources there for, right. for doing some pre-planning on a funeral, and uh, you'll find a, a lot of resources there. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today, Brandy. This is a really important topic, and I hope people do, you know, start to have those conversations with people uh, to prevent a lot of pain down the road. Me too. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, thank you. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Joining us now is Susan Kenny. She's a certified brain health coach and the co-founder and director of Therapeutic Wellness at Emergo Recovery, which is a private residential recovery and wellness center in Canada. Susan, it's great to have you back on the show. And today you're going to help us get our sexy on using a brain first approach. So first of all, uh, what do you mean by getting your sexy on? So I'm going to bring it back to brain. If, you know, we, we want to look good, we want to feel good, we want to create a good positive image, we want to attract others. And the route to be able to make all of that happen, Candace, is brain health. Right. Yeah. And so where does that start? So really with the basics, self-care is number one. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we live in a time where it's okay to say, oh, I'm not getting sleep and I'm so busy and mm-hmm. I'm eating on the run. And yet it does nothing to help us. Yeah, we really wear those things like a badge of honor, don't we? Absolutely. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I got three I'm, hours sleep last night. That's right. really nothing to be proud of. It's right. really bad for your, your brain, mostly. Yeah. yeah, it is. You know, at night, sleep is so important. We have something called the glymphatic system. So if we don't get the seven to nine hours of sleep, the brain doesn't get cleansed from toxins that happen during the day. Memories don't get a chance to go into a long-term memory. 
And so sleep is absolutely important. Right. Yeah. So what, what? So does feeling sexy start from the inside out then? Yes. yes. Yeah. And for even from a skin point of view, um, the liver is going to control what's happening in the skin. Right. So eating well and making sure that you're caring for yourself is important from a liver point of view. And a lot of people are using things from the outside in. Right. It's not. It comes from the inside out. You're absolutely right. Right. So what helps drive that? So again, back to basics. So getting great sleep, lots of hydration. Right. Um, You know, that rumor that a glass of wine a day is health food. I, I think that was the wine I think we want to hold that, on to that one for, for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> but we do need to let it go, right? And just from a brain point of view. Right. right? Alcohol dehydrates the brain. Right. So if, if you are going to have that glass of wine, then make sure that you're really balancing it out with right. water as well. I want to talk a little bit about, because, um, you know, we're talking about things like, you know, what we eat and drink. But what about what we consume, uh, you know? Social media, what we read, yeah. what we watch. How does that affect our brain health? That's, if, if you've studied anything with positive psychology, mm-hmm. which is very different than a typical psychology, what you're looking at is bringing good things into your life to create positivity. Right. Not a false positive. Right. right. You're not looking at them and going, I am the best person ever and I'm right. wonderful. Well, I heard, I, read, I heard something the other day that, you know, uh, self-affirmation mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is good. Positive affirmation is, is not. Right. Because right. it's fake. Right. And so, yeah, you you bring about something that is really important is what you eat is important. What you consume in terms of the rest of the day is important. Right. So you're right. Social media, a lot of it is set up to be negative based. Mm -hmm. And so you begin to really look then for more negative. So it's a new year and a lot of us are trying to get back into a healthy routine, maybe even getting back into the gym so we can get fit um, into that. Special outfit, I suppose. Um, how can we channel that confidence? Yeah. It's about choosing which habits are going to be the most important. Right. And not choosing them because somebody else thinks they're a good idea. Right. So what what I mean by that is if you imagine yourself as a healthy person, what do you think a healthy person does? Right. And begin to implement that into your day. And even if it's putting your running shoes on. Right. And saying, I'm just going to run for one minute. Right. And and not putting any pressure on. You have now taken the direction to become the healthy person that you want to be. Right. And without the pressure. Because the flip side of that is if you're filled with stress, thinking, oh, I, I have to go to the gym. I got this membership. Right. Or I have to eat well. Or I have to stop doing this. Then you're creating more stress, which is actually going to backfire. Right. You know, and it really is about a mindset. I do this a lot myself. You know, like, you know, if I if I have to walk the dog, for example, and it's pouring rain out like it was this weekend, instead yes. of making that a negative, I go, you know, I get to walk the dog. I'm, yeah. You know, how lucky am I that I actually get to go out yeah. and do this? So going back to positive psychology, gratitude is the yeah. cornerstone of everything. Right. And um, the drudgery of doing dishes can be turned into... I am so grateful that I have running water. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful that I have a meal right. and that I get to wash these dishes because right. a lot of the world is not getting the chance to eat so today. So true. And, and that's exactly what you were talking about. You begin to actually change the neural pathways mm-hmm. and now you become a more attractive person. Yeah. And you feel it from the inside mm-hmm. out. That's right. So, yeah. so what are some tips for us to get our sexy back? 
So here's what to focus on. Sleep. Number mm-hmm. one, get a good night's sleep, sleep hygiene. There's lots of wonderful new books available because it is hot. Sleep is the new black. Mm-hmm. So definitely shut things off. Turn off the iPhones, iPads. Get a good book. Curl up in a dark mm-hmm. room. Right. And good quality food. Lots of hydration. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I would recommend is to reduce stress by doing something that you love. Right. So again, if you're going to yoga because you think you should do yoga, but it is not enjoyable to you, it's creating more stress. Right. So going back to uh, getting together with friends, right? Mm-hmm. Connection or community. Right. Um, meditation. Mm-hmm. Something that releases stress. You so. know, meditation is something I've embraced in the last year. I, it was something I never did before. I always yeah. thought it was sort of this, you know, way out there. It's a little woo-woo for me. I'm going to, yeah. you know, it's not going to work. But yeah. honestly, you know when meditation is, I find most profound is when I'm not meditating. Yes. Um, so I'll be walking around and I'm able to pull myself back into the moment. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because of the mindfulness I do you know, on the mat for yeah. 10 minutes to 15 minutes in the morning. And you you bring about a great point. It, it, you do it for 10, 15, 20 minutes, yeah. two minutes. Yeah. But you're right. It's how it ripples into the rest of your life. And that is truly a, you know, I'm in a stressful moment and I just yeah. bring myself back to the breath and yeah. I'm good. I'm not, I'm suddenly, I'm not time traveling anymore. I'm not, you know, exactly. 10 years out thinking about something terrible. I'm back in the moment. And yeah. yeah, it's good. It brings you back to focus. And from a brain point of view, people think that it relaxes the brain. It does not. It creates better rest for the brain. Okay. So it actually activates the brain. So although the body is being quite quiet and right. and you're sitting still, the the mind is creating new neural pathways and being very active. Right. So it's really healthy. So how can we best love our brain? Uh, going, I'm going to go back to the yeah. sleep, yep. and we're going to do the water mm-hmm. uh, and great food. And don't do touch something the wine. Don't touch the wine. From a brain point of view, <laughs> if you do, make sure you're getting more hydration okay. to make sure that you're glass of wine, glass of water, glass yeah. of wine. No. Yeah. And then something that you love. Do right. do something that you love okay. every day. Maybe even to chase down a new a new hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where can people go to get in touch with you and learn more about Emergo Recovery? So best place to find us now, we have a podcast. Okay. And it's called Emergo Radio. Okay. And because we're we're a small program, we accept up to six people at a time. So there's a lot of people that we can't accept. And so if you want more information about what's great for the brain. So what kind of issues do you deal with at Emergo, though? Anything. Any challenges that people have. So whether that is emotional or physical, mm-hmm. and they're wanting to recover okay. from that. Or we do wellness programs. I'm wondering if you are seeing um, a, a, a sort of a spike right now in in technology addiction oh dealing with that hundred percent wow yeah i think so yeah there are more people that are coming and and look at it tech companies know how to hook us oh absolutely you're getting that dopamine hit every time you log in yeah And, and if you live in a different part of the world it's actually different because they're able to monitor how we react to technology. Right. So, yeah, this was created by the same people who created Vegas. Well, you know, when you hear about people like tech giants who won't let their children, uh-huh. you know you that they are, they are doing this to hook you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So um, I just want to briefly just sort of circle back. You said uh, 
here earlier, you said uh, sexy starts from the inside out. out. So yeah. as far as diet is concerned, yeah. do you have sort of like, are there superfoods for you? Or do you just, you know, do you encourage a whole a whole food? Here's the easiest that we recommend. Okay. It was a created by um, Melissa. She's now Melissa Urban. But when they wrote the book, it was the Hartwigs, Whole 30. Oh, So yeah. for 30 days, do an elimination of dairy, grains, soy, and refined sugars, right. and, and alcohol. <laughs> you can't, it's like you're picking on me. I coming back to it. And then see how you feel. So right. Because inflammation causes us to have a lot of cascading effects right. in terms of how we feel. So if, if you want to be able to support the body and the system and be radiant and energized, that's that's absolutely what I recommend is Whole30 for 30 days. Amazing. Susan Kenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, that is it for what she said this week. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again next Saturday at noon right here, here on 105.9 The Region. Please be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. You can find all the links plus videos from today's show at whatshesaidtalk.com. We'll see you next week.